Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 305. In the spring of the year, there are great appointed days that God has laid out for His people Israel to observe, to follow, to remember His great works and who He is and what He's done. And so you have Pesach, you have Passover, followed by unleavened bread and first fruits. Fifty days later, in the early summer, you have Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, what's called in the New Testament Pentecost. It's the 50th day after the offering of the first fruits. And so the spring and early summer appointed days end. And we don't really have a Levitical feast until we get to the fall of the year. And at the end of the sixth month, which is called Elul, that's E-L-U-L, that is a ending of sorts of the first half of the year. And the entire month of Elul is a time of teshuva, of repentance, which I've been speaking to you about in depth. Now it is Tishri. It is the beginning of the year. You see, the Jews believe on the 25th day of Elul was when God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, the book of Genesis chapter 1. And uh, every day after that, For five days, which there are 30 days in the month of Elul, remember the Jews are on a lunar calendar. The biblical calendar is a lunar, not a solar calendar as we observe in the West. That would mean five days, and then the sixth day would be the first day of Tishrei. And that is the day that the Jews believe that God would have created Adam, Adam and Eve, and that would have been done on the sixth day, which would have been what we call Yom Teruah, the blowing of the shofar. And it is celebrated at that time. Now, the Jews believe that Adam was created on the sixth day in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, Mount Moriah on the very place which is the foundation stone. And that foundation stone today is below what is called the Golden Dome, the Dome of the Rock. It is a Muslim shrine, but that is where the first temple stood and the second temple stood. And I believe that the third temple will stand. And underneath that dome is a huge stone. Anyone but Muslims cannot go in there today, but I've been in there many times before that was prohibited. I've got pictures, and one of my partners has uh, pictures that are 70 millimeter that were taken years ago that are in many Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias today. Actually, the very place where I believe the Ark of the Covenant would have sat, where that chest would have sat, is laid out and leveled out on top of that stone. It was the place where the Holy of Holies was. So I believe that that is a sacred mountain, Moriah. Now, we in the evangelical world, and especially those who call themselves Baptists, we are anti-iconic. That is, we don't get tied up in pictures and places and all of those kinds of things. But let me tell you, where God says something is holy, we better believe it's holy. We're not above God, and that is a sacred site, Moriah. Whether you believe that it is the 
foundation stone of where God created Adam or not. I can tell you, even before the days of Abraham, it was a sacred place. Remember, this is where in the book of Genesis that Abraham encountered at Salem, later Jerusalem, later Jerusalem, that is where he encountered Melchizedek, what we say in the mountains here in East Tennessee, Melchizedek. But Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, met Abraham on his way back down south along that patriarchal highway, which passes by Jerusalem then and now. God showed that that mountain and that place, that region there is a sacred place. Now, all of the land of Israel is sacred to God. As a matter of fact, the land is so sacred, it is given human personality. Again, whether we like that or not is totally beside the point. Where you believe it or not is totally beside the point. That's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that it is looked upon as inexorably linked to the Jewish people in the land. Many times they are looked upon as one, not separated. That's why there was a longing to go back there. And now God is calling people from the four corners of the earth back to the land, his people, the Jews. Many I have interviewed and talked with and become dear friends with over uh, my nearly five decades of going there. And I can tell you, many of them, when I've asked, why did you come back at this time? And they would say, I really just had a longing in my heart since I was younger to come. It just got stronger and stronger. It was almost like a homing instinct. So now we're home and we're in the land. The reason is that is the place where God started everything. That's where he's going to end everything up. But this uh, Moriah is actually a word which is made up of the concept of the place where God will be seen. That is a sacred place. And that is where the blowing of the shofar took place in the temple. That is where even in the days of Jesus, there was the blowing of the shofar in the south a western corner at the place of the blowing of the shofar. Some of you have been with me and we've seen there to what's called Robinson's Arch, which was one of the gateways into the second temple and into Solomon's portico. You've seen what archaeologists have found is that corner piece where the blowing of the shofar took place. Now the blowing of the shofar, the trumpet, the ram's horn was to announce all special days, any kind of blowing of the trumpet would uh, signal the Sabbath when it began, when it would end, all of those things. And so it was a very sacred thing, and it was a duty that was carried out year-round. And so this was a very special day because this was the beginning of the civil year. This is when uh, debts were brought to bear. This is when Yovel, uh, that I'll talk about in tomorrow's podcast, uh, the day of Jubilee, that's where the shofar was sounded for that. But today I want to talk to you about what this is all about in the Jewish mind. You see, there are Torah portions, Torah readings that go on throughout every week throughout the year. The Jews read the same portion of the Torah and the prophets every day. They read that every week. There is a Torah portion where all Jews worldwide read the same portion of Scripture. It's kind of the idea that we adopted as the International Sunday School lesson decades ago in our Christian churches, our non-Catholic churches, and it was called the International Sunday School lesson where everybody would kind of be studying the same passage of Scripture. Well, we didn't come up with that. That's a Jewish tradition. 
Revelation, I believe that dates all the way back to the days of Ezra. On this day, as well as other special days, there are other portions of the Torah that are read and other passages throughout the Nebim and the Ketuvim, that is, the prophets and the writings. And on this day, the first day, there's actually two days of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, and uh, that will be uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this year. You're hearing this on Monday, but on Tuesday and Wednesday will be the two days that the Jews worldwide will celebrate Rosh Hashanah. That begins on Monday evening, because remember in the Jewish calendar, the day always begins in the evening and ends the following evening. And so on these special days, the first day, there is a special reading that is out of Genesis chapter 21, second day, Genesis chapter 22. Now, those of you who are familiar with the book of Genesis know immediately that is the birth of Isaac and then the binding of Isaac in chapter 22. Now, both of those are significant in the economy of God. The reason is it is in Genesis 21 that we have the supernatural fulfillment of a supernatural promise made to Abraham. That's right. When Abraham was 100 years old, God let him be the father of the son of promise. His wife, Sarah, was well past menopause, well past the time of women and childbearing, and God supernaturally created the nation of Israel by promise that he made to Abraham. So this was an act of faith. Abraham and Sarah, even having sexual relations, was a supernatural act and an act of faith because that just doesn't happen when someone's 100 years old and someone's 90 years old and having children. And even in those days, it was was a fulfillment of a promise that God made. So the nation of Israel was supernaturally created, and we must not ever forget that, that it's a miracle that the nation of Israel through Isaac was even brought into being. And it is through down through the centuries that God has supernaturally and miraculously sustained the people. And he continues to do that and will do it throughout all eternity because God is the one that is in charge of it all. On the second day is of reading of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah is the day of remembrance. It's called Zikran. That's the other name. There are three names for this, uh, the biblical name names are Yom Teruah, and the purpose is for remembrance, Zikran, and then it was a later named the head of the year, or Rosh, head, Shana, the uh, year. So uh, you have this beginning of the year. It was the civil year. We'll go into that more this week, but I want you to understand the significance of the passages that are read out of the Torah. You see, the blowing of the shofar is associated with the ram's horn that was caught in the thicket. God had told Abraham to go to Moriah, the place where God will be seen, the place that Abraham was already familiar with because he had already had an encounter with God through his high priest that was not of the priesthood of Aaron. It was well before that because, you see, God was in business before Aaron came along. As you know, the binding of Isaac and God's supernatural provision, it says the word Yireh, we say Jehovah Jireh, as the place where God provides. Well, that's not what the text says. Now, we know that it is the place where God provided a sacrifice, but Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, doesn't mean God provides. It means God sees. 
someone would say is semantics. No, it's not. They're two different words. Provide and see are two different words. God did provide, but the reason God provided is because he saw the need. You see, this is a day to celebrate. This is a day to remember that God sees everything. And because God sees everything, God provides for his people. God saw that his people were in need of a substitute, and so God provided it. God saw that you and I were in need of a substitute, and God provided it. God sees everything that we're going through. God sees who we are, those that are against us. And let me tell you, those of you who are pastors, please hear me. Let God take vengeance upon those who would come against you. Don't get into the vengeance business because you'll lose every time. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He says, you and I are to pray for those who come against us, those who are enemies. You say, well, that's just not natural. Exactly. Because, you see, anyone can take vengeance upon those that come against them. But it takes a child of God supernaturally obeying God to do what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to pray for those who would despitefully use us those who would come against us, those who are our enemies. And then he goes on to say that if we do not do that and we just pat on the back those who pat us on the back, shake hands with those who shake hands with us, bless those who bless us, then what do we do different than any lost man? No, the Lord Jesus said, bless those who curse you. The word bless is the word eulogia, where we get our word eulogy. Now, listen to me. It's going to take supernatural assistance for you and me to do anything. It's just not in us to bless those who curse us. Naturally, we want to curse those who curse us. But Jesus said, say good things about those who say bad things about you. And so what you and I have to do is take this time of remembrance to remember that God is the one that supernaturally brought about the salvation plan that you and I are part of and are blessed by and with through the Jewish people. And we need to take this time to remember that it's God who provided the substitute for Abraham, for the nation of Israel, and for us. And that the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of that ram. Yes, that ram's horns were caught in a thicket. I believe it was a thorn tree. Many times I have watched as ibex will nibble the green from around the thorns, and they're very, very good at it. Somehow there was a ram that got caught in a thicket of thorns, and it was wrapped around its horns, those thorns on its head. Does this sound familiar? You see, God is a God of detail, and he doesn't leave anything out. The Bible says that our Lord was crowned with a crown of thorns. They pressed it down on his head, and he was caught in place on a cross. You see, Yom Teruah is more than just a Jewish holiday. It's more than just the blowing of the trumpet. It should alarm us and awaken us, yes, not only to repentance, but to praise to rejoicing in knowing that a new year has begun. And what I'm going to talk about tomorrow is the Shemitah, that is the sabbatical year, and the counting of a week of Sabbaths, and the beginning of something new called Yovel, Jubilee. It's the day of new beginnings. You will not want to miss tomorrow's podcast. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.